Hi there, you're listening to the Speak On It podcast, a program facilitated by Youth Advisory Board members of the Steve Fund. The Steve Fund is one of the leading nonprofit organizations in the United States that promotes the emotional and mental health of students of color. The goal of this podcast is to create a space for students and professionals alike to come together to discuss a plethora of topics relating to mental health and the challenges that Black, Indigenous, and people of color may face during their academic and professional careers. Before we begin our conversation, we would like to leave a disclaimer that this podcast cannot and should not substitute a mental health provider. If you or a loved one need help, please reach out to your primary care provider or the Steve Fund Crisis Hotline, which you can access by texting STEVE to 741-741. Thank you and enjoy. Hi everyone and welcome back to another episode of Speak On It. I'm Danny, your co-host, and I'll let our other people introduce themselves. <laughs> Hi, everyone. My name is Jay. I'm also a co-host today. Um, I think in the past we've introduced our hobbies, so I guess I'll share. Um, I'm really into tennis, except it's one of those sports where you need like a partner that's kind of at your level. Um, so I've been playing a lot of wall ball recently. So if anyone's in Houston and wants to play, reach out. Hello everyone, my name is Siobhan. My hobby would be singing. Today we're going to be talking about competition in higher education. So the first question is, what are the different factors that lead to a competitive educational environment? What factors have the greatest impact on you? So kind of like, what makes it so competitive? Are there any things that kind of stick out in your memory as being like, okay, this was a very like heated moment or things people can kind of be prepared for? I think for me, it's like a lot of the rhetoric that I had because I'm pre-med. I've been pre-med for like the past, I don't know how many years. I don't want to share that, but um, um, it's been a minute. And I think like a lot of the conversations regarding um, not only like the medical field, but some like graduate and PhD programs is kind of the rigor. And if you don't necessarily get that like 4.0 and the like perfect percentage or top 90 percentile on these like graduate entrance exams then you have no right you have no you have no business to apply to medical school or graduate school or whatever it is right because there's a perception that like you know what if you get a b in this class it's not even worth it give up um and i think that kind of brings into that it, it just brings like a negative uh, mentality into coursework because then it starts nagging at you. And from my personal experience, like I started going into this like mentality of um, memorization as opposed to like actual learning and processing material that's given to me. Um, and I think that's kind of, and please correct me or like, add on to this if y'all disagree, but I feel like that's kind of the issue with our current like competitive system, unfortunately, or the way that students kind of process competition. Um, they really just regurgitate information as opposed to sometimes really learning and being able to properly apply it. Um, and that's because of the grade stamp or the need to be able to maintain that grade. Uh, I would absolutely agree with you on the regurgitation. I see it. I've seen it while I've been in medical school. I felt that way in undergrad as well. Um, I think the biggest issue I'm seeing is just that heavy weight of examinations. Um, 
and that goes on and that ties in with the whole concept of grades because you're like okay i have this one chance or a couple chances there's some courses where you might only have two exams or while other courses might have four or five um, throughout that semester and so when you have four or five you kind of have a little bit more opportunity to improve but when it's a one or two exams you know the weight is definitely even heavier and so you might find yourself just like okay if i just memorize all this information and just put it back on that exam um then i'll do well but i think it's because education in a lot of ways feels like it's become more about impressing rather than learning and it's it's unfortunate because i think most of us who go to school um, especially once you start to get more and more in higher education you want to get something out of it you want to have a great learning experience and i think that is something that you should try as best as you can to hold on to. So if that means you try to minor in something that you find really interesting or get involved with different organizations on campus that allow you to explore your other interests um, so that you feel like your college experience or our grad school experience is more meaningful um, because in a lot of ways, exams and grades just do become important. And it's something that if you aren't mindful of, you might find yourself just not even enjoying the experience at all. On top of that, like, there's, there's also, like, a huge culture of, like, I don't know if it's, like, self-hatred, but it's, like, over-critical, being over-critical of not only yourself, but of your peers and kind of putting on everyone on these, like, high pedestals, and as a result of which, if you don't live up to, like, whatever expectations that you have, like, you start going into the cycle of like self-worth self-evaluation and for me personally like I've had a long history and issue equating my self-worth with my academic performance due to um, various reasons um, and I think with the competition in higher ed um, that kind of it, it just perpetuated the system unfortunately and took a really long time for me to unlearn it and I'm still in the process of unlearning it but I think um, like what um, Siobhan was mentioning in terms of, excuse me, sir, my cat just walked across the table. Um, there's also importance of trying to find passions and um, other outlets to kind of subset any negative emotions that you feel. But, yeah. um, would you mind elaborating more on passions and other outlets? So like, how does this apply to you? Or what are some of your passions and outlets? Yeah, so, oh, so deep. <laughs> um, uh, I also am a singer, and I, like, am hesitant to say this because low-key Danny is very, like, into, like, us recording, like, a intro song for our podcast, and I don't know if I'm ready to make my, like, debut. <laughs> um, but, like, in high school, oh, this, this, this hits deep. Okay, we're, we're going into it. I'm ready. Um, so the other, I think like last year, my cousin and I were talking um, and it got to like a deep conversation where at one point she like looked at me and she was like, are you happy? Because she was like kind of like in high school and middle school, you were such like a happy kid. Like you would find joy in terms of like learning and all this other stuff. But like now that you're older, like early, like later in your 20s, like you seem to be kind of miserable not like miserable but like you don't seem to be the same person and that question kind of hit deep because i was like i don't know like am i happy like i do find joy like day to day or i try to and find gratitude 
but there are instances where I'm like, overall, am I content with my life right now? And kind of like processing like why that is. And I'm not pointing fingers or anything. I just think one of the reasons why I'm kind of slowly building myself up after being burnt out um, is because of the competition in higher education, because I was partly because of my personality, but also partly because I was like, I need to have this on my like resume and blah, 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 blah. Um, and kind of took away from experiences and it also kind of just took a lot of energy and effort and it just drained me um, day to day. Personally, when I was in college, one of the things I personally enjoyed was being a member of our gospel choir. And so we got to do performances on campus. We got to travel. I wish I had traveled with them more, but um, that was one of the experiences that I found really helpful in terms of outlets for me. Um, I spent a lot of time going to my friends' dorms and spending less time in my dorm. And we'd have like dorm uh, gatherings. There we go, gatherings. Um, and just like come together as family and have a good time. One of my friends would always love to cook, so she would cook for the whole group and we'd do stuff like that. And that is, those are the, the memories of college that made it most meaningful, honestly. It's like, because if otherwise you think about just like, the, like you know, Jay's talking about like the competitiveness, especially again, I was also pre-med. Um, and so I was pre-med in an honors program. So there were just, double layers of, of competitiveness in terms of you had to do a thesis and, you know, being one of the few people of color in certain classes, you know, you get looks, you get, you know, people just kind of disregard you and dismiss you. And so you kind of had to like find those outlets that allowed you to feel at home, feel like you belong. I was involved in like the cultural groups on campus as well um, and went to their events and just as much as I could go to social events, um, I tried to do that. That really helped a lot. I love that. Thank you guys so much for sharing. I think it's important to remind people of, to like continue to do what makes them happy because I think over time, like being able to perform really well on exams or to strive to accomplish a lot, like they might get a lot of praise for that and think this is what's gonna pay off and make me happy. And maybe yes in a way, but in an, I think in another, in a similar vein, I think, there's almost too much emphasis put on that. And then we kind of forget about everything else that's important in, in life. So I think priorities are a big part of, yeah, just like maintaining one's mental health. Cause you don't have enough energy to attend to like every single thing you may want to in a day, but you have enough energy to like maybe attend to the really important things that are gonna like pay off and like love you back, I think. Cause I don't know if tests really love you back. Like even after you do really well on them, it's like, okay, and next exam or something I don't know but your friends they will be with you for a long time hopefully and um, the things that you learned that like meant a lot to you you'll probably remember for a long time so yeah super inspirational and then to kind of go back to I guess the negative side one more time um, well we're obviously in a pandemic right now so my question is has this like affected I guess your I guess process in medical school or do you have any advice for people dealing with COVID-19 right now, or just what has it been like? Just um, anything you're willing to share. Um, so I was in like towards the end of my third year of medical school, which is the clinical years when you're rotating at different hospitals. Um, and I was taken out of that um, setting and we had to like quickly start using Zoom as our main way of learning. Um, we had to take, so for every clinical rotation during your third year, you take what's called a shelf exam. Um, and so 
um, normally you take that at your school. Um, I personally, this is just like a side thing. Um, if you are someone who do, does feel like you need extra time on exams or need to take your exams in different spaces, I definitely advocate for that. It's helpful if you have um, like a therapist or someone who is involved in your care who can like sign a paper. Um, and so I actually started doing that during my third year, which I had done it sooner. But that helped me while um, I was still taking on-campus exams to just have my own space and clear my mind. And that's something, that was something I needed for my personal mental health. Um, but during COVID, we had to take them like at home. <laughs> but I still got to have my extended time, which was really helpful. Um, during the exam, unfortunately, the power went out. But came back on and it worked out ultimately but in terms of competitiveness so I want to go into psychiatry and it's not traditionally one of the more competitive fields in medicine but it is becoming more and more competitive basically more and more people are interested in going into it and when it comes to medical school a lot of times not always it can be about numbers so we have like our board exams that people have been studying for and unfortunately because of COVID they've had cancellations with those exams. So it's like you say you spent a four week block studying for an exam, then you find out it's canceled. You don't know when you're going to take it again, but you kind of don't want to stop studying because, you know, if you stop studying, then you might lose some of that stuff that you have in your head. So you, you kind of have to just keep studying. And it's been a lot of stress on people, especially because it's not just COVID going on, but all the racism and um, structural racism, racial violence, so many different things that people are experiencing at once and then still trying to study or still trying to do whatever they need to do to set themselves up to be um, successful during this residency application cycle. Um, it's been hard because, you know, we don't really get to do away rotations as much. And what those are is say, so I'm, I'm in medical school in Connecticut, say I'm really interested in going to Florida. So I do like a clinical rotation at a, a medical um, facility in Florida, let them get to know who I am. And then that, you know, if it goes well, ideally you, you're more likely to get a, um, a residency interview there. So we've lost that. Um, they basically said, don't really do a ways unless it's like within, for our school, they're saying within four hours of the campus. And so if I wanted to apply like really far away, I'm gonna have to, navigate that a little bit differently now and so then you do feel that pressure even more so to do well on those exams that i talked about the board exams because you're like okay if i can get high score on that and <laughs> do get involved in a, as much things as you, you feel that pressure to be the perfect applicant and you already felt that before COVID 19 but now even more so one of my best friends like she i think she's also a third year um, and she was mentioning that her school got rid of away rotations as well. And she said that was a huge issue with her residency applications uh, because she was like, the specialties that I want to get into, that's where there are away rotations I can get my letters of rec. And now I'm kind of like, I don't know who to ask. Um, so I guess that may be like another difficulty for y'all. Um, Absolutely. I wanted to piggyback on um, what Siobhan was saying in terms of Students also dealing with what's happening with COVID, but on top of that, with everything that's happening with like institutional racism and every the protests and um, the social changes that need to be happening that are slowly but surely happening. Um, but that also takes a huge toll on a lot of like students, especially um, our Black students. Um, and 
one thing that I talked to, like, that same best friend was she has had a couple stu- uh, friends who have had to, like, take their boards, like, this past month or so. Um, and because of that, they had to, like, completely compartmentalize everything that was happening. They had to, like, shut it down. They were like, I need to put it in a box. I don't have time to process this. Um, and this may just be me being naive um, with the overall system, but personally, in terms of, like, mental health, I don't know how good compartmentalizing is because I feel like some, like, with the way that, like, competition exists in higher education, like, I think, again, I may be wrong about this, but I feel like there's kind of, like, pressures to compartmentalize and to kind of be like, oh, like, be resilient (laughs) and, like, deal with it, push through, and then afterwards, that's when you can process your emotions and feelings. Um, but I don't know. What What are y'all's thoughts? I would agree with you. I think that that is part of the issue. Um, I can attest to that. I've been that student that's also had to compartmentalize because I'm studying for an exam as well. And I'm studying for a board exam after this. So I've had to like basically limit my social media use, for example. Um, and like really try to tune out news as much as possible but it's at the same time I haven't really had time to process all that I'm feeling relating to this and I know that there's so many other students who feel the same way and a lot of students have been spending their energy teaching the schools because the higher education (laughs) uh, system um, hasn't been supporting students in this way and with everything that's been going on you're finding students saying, okay, hey, this is how you can support students of color, especially now. So there's an organization, uh, for instance, called White Coats or Black Lives. Um, that's a national organization. And we have chapters throughout the country. And the, uh, I think it was like a few weeks ago, um, different chapters sent, uh, I don't want to say demands, if you, but that was kind of the term that was used. But it was basically recommendations for the schools to say, hey, this is these are ways you can support um, your students of color. These are ways you can um, actively work on being anti, anti-racist and, you know, like focusing on curriculum, whatever it may be, there were different um, aspects of it. But I feel as much as that was great, I was like, I think about some of my friends who have been spending so much energy doing that, but not doing their work. And so again, when you're in a competitive environment and you're expected to perform the same way as everybody else, and you're a student of color who's dealing with complex trauma, it's like, it's so challenging. And, um, I really hope that all of those things are taken in con- into consideration in the next year when it comes to residency applications, um, when it comes to people who are on the um, what they call the wards right now, or people who an, are an undergrad and they're about to go back to campus to finish their senior year or starting their freshman year, and they're dealing with all this trauma and all these different things that are going on in their head and they haven't had time to process it for various reasons. Um, that's the thing I'm worried about as a like budding <laughs> psychiatrist. That's that the aftermath is what I'm worried about as well. I really love how you mentioned that because like I think at the start of like Corona, um, I think like the ski fund has like reached out to the like YAP and then other campuses in terms of like what exactly are students like dealing with, um, like in their home environments or everything. And I think there were some conversations from like student testimonies like on social media where like some professors were not were they just weren't very empathetic with the current situations and they're basically like we still expect you to perform up to par um and i think that 
that also ties into the whole like competition um, environment where the professors as maybe like a latent function um, of their responsibilities may add that extra pressure on the students where it's like, you may be going through some stuff, but we still expect you to be able to do X, Y, and Z. Um, and I think like for some students, it works as like a motivator because they're like, yes, like this is an issue. Like I want to be able to fix it. I want to be able to come on top. Um, and I think that's great because like I've met a couple people that are able to thrive and be able to utilize that as momentum to be able to push their goals. But then I've also met other people, like for me personally, where like I get affected by it and I'm just like, I can't. Yeah, I think one quote I saw that was really interesting was um, like Gen Z is like the most anxious generation, but also the most fearless because, and also millennials, I think this applies to everyone. Like we've been like, I guess, doing so much, so much work and putting so much time and energy into teaching the, edu the institutions that are supposed to be teaching us and like protesting and all this other work that needs to be done. And um, yeah, I mean, I just have a lot of admiration and respect for like all the young people working to change the world. So they're doing that on top of all their other responsibilities. And I just hope they know how appreciated they are because it's just so important. And it's something that's gonna, I think, at the end of the day, end up being like one of the most important things. Looking back in terms of our like other 11 episodes preceding this, like a lot of things that we mentioned, like with success, expectations, life goals, chosen family, um, are all things that I personally feel like have helped me in terms of competition, right? Like defining what does success look like for me, defining my expectations, um, coming to terms of like life goals and what that means. Like it doesn't have to be linear. It doesn't have to be bam, bam, bam. Um, I can pursue other passions and being kind to yourself, um, which I think is a whole different conversation and podcast panel conversation that we can have in terms of like, what does it mean to like truly be self-loving and self-compassionate? Because um, I think that's so important, especially like right now. Um, but then also like the chosen family, like Siobhan also mentioned um, her like going over to her friend's place and having like a good time socializing. Um, that has definitely helped me because knowing uh, that there are other people that may be like going through similar things that I am and we were nurturing each other, not necessarily pushing each other because that, that's also an important aspect in terms of social groups. Um, it's okay to be competitive and she like I'm competitive with some of my friends too, but there's also like a, there's like a specific way that it should happen if that makes sense because I've been in competitions with people where they don't push you very well, like they don't push you positively. Right, they kind of shame you in terms of like how well you're doing and they're like oh like you did that like mm, i got like three points higher than you um that and that like for me i feel like that kind of brings in like a very bad perspective because then like instead of like a friend in a friendly competition it's more of like a oh you're kind of like a friend of me now and so like we have to like we're at odds um but i don't know like danny you're like a runner like is that like a thing with like athletes sort of definitely i talk about i was just talking about this this morning actually with my brother i was like do i have like an academic example but honestly not really because i didn't talk to people about homework for some reason i kind of just did my own thing <laughs> um and i like doing my work at home like i know some people would be doing stuff at lunch and library and talking about it and like sharing answers and everything and i probably just did most of it by myself in high school because it was more manageable 
I know the workload gets a lot heavier when you get to higher education. So I don't know if I have anything to say on it there. But in running, I definitely can say that there was just such a difference between when I was running with just like someone who you could tell wouldn't mind if you beat them and they weren't going to take it like so personally, like the end of the world. And then someone who's just like, they can't beat me because I hate them. And I don't know. It was just like, <laughs> and I definitely felt that. And there was this, there was this one story and I think I was probably like a freshman or sophomore and there's a senior who I ended up running against, I, against, not even, it was like a practice workout thing. And we were running back to the school, kind of like the final, like 400 meters or whatever and I think I was running and I think she came out of nowhere and like was trying to pass me and I was just I just like picked up the pace because I was like okay this is a good challenge like I like to finish strong and she really wanted to beat me because she just was like I could just see her breathing so heavily I was like okay I didn't know it was that serious so then, <laughs> so then we got back to the school and she's like you, you didn't have to do that I just wanted to run with you and I was like no, you didn't. You wanted to beat me, definitely, <laughs> like for sure. And she wanted to make me feel bad about it. And she wanted to make me feel bad about pushing myself. And I guess she just didn't like the fact that I ended up winning that particular time. But I think in a healthier, competitive relationship, it's like, okay, if your friend maybe is going to get a higher score one day, you might get a higher score another day. That's just life. And so when you're able to have that, I think that's when you have those people that you know you can surround yourself with. They're, they want to see you do well. Yeah. They need to be a competitor, but also a cheerleader, at least in my perspective. Oh, yes. Yes. Like the combination. Because mm-hmm. it's definitely possible to be a competitor and a cheerleader and to be a good competitor. So even if like they're on another team, like they can still shake your hand at the end or they can just have a, I mean, be polite about it. Like, when the game kind of turns sour is when the, like, the rivalry kind of takes over, the competition aspect takes over. Like, there can only be one winner. But I think we want multiple winners. We need multiple doctors. We need people in these different areas. We don't need, like, one winner in every single section. I think that's, like, also another thing that contributes to pressure on medical students and people in grad school is just, like, um, like even though we have a shortage of doctors, they also try to make it, like, they kind of, like, I don't know. I don't know if they try to make it hard for people to become doctors or it just seems like they are because it's kind of like picking people off like every year. I think it also kind of like ties into like the press of Olympics. I don't know if anyone's familiar with that term. Um, It's usually for like uh, black indigenous like people of color and how um, there are certain spots and locations like within society and that they're finite um, positions for like black indigenous people of color um, and we all have to compete with one another and it's uh, it, it starts in getting into this like ugly thing where it's like oh like I had to deal with like x y and z circumstances versus you and da 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 and kind of like comparing that and I'm not I'm not trying to invalidate experiences because like as an Asian American there are experiences that I can only imagine and read about for like certain like black indigenous Latinx populations that I can I probably will never experience um but it's that I think that it, to tie that back into the competition aspect of it um I think that's the mentality that like there are finite spaces and in a way there are finite spaces um but the way that we go about it can also determine how we can motivate and pull each other up as opposed to push each other aside if that makes sense. Not to get too luxury. 
No, that's not a lecture at all. I think that's like one of the things that I wanted to see, especially as you, you know, again, move higher and higher in education, unless you're at a predominantly um, like black institution or other institution that's serving a lot of students that are of color, you're likely going to be in the minority. And so I think if more of us who have been through these different experiences actually come together and support one another and lift one another up, like that's the best case scenario that I'd love to see. Um, because like you were saying, like I think you start to compare yourself to everyone else, the people that look like you that are actually meant to be your friends or meant to be your, your peers, your colleagues, the people that actually support you as like, oh my goodness, I have to do better than that person in order to get to where I need to be because otherwise I'm not going to be uh, perceived as good as someone else. And it's, it's, it's very toxic very quickly. Um, so like, even when it comes to like your friends, I think one of the things that someone someone told me a long time ago, it's always great to have people in your circle who are more smart or who have something that you don't. So if that means you have a friend that's like smarter than you, you have a friend that, you know, maybe you're the one that's the better supporter. Maybe the other friend is better at, um, I don't know, bringing everyone together. Everyone has their gift that they bring to that friend group or that circle of people. And you just maximize on everyone's, um, skill set or everyone's gift that they have um you give to one another you receive from the other person i feel like that's a at least one way to try to combat competitiveness is appreciating what someone someone has that you don't have and being around people who will appreciate what you have that they don't there's like another quote that i remember someone like i don't know if you've actually said this to me but like there are times where like you don't want to be the smartest person in the room like ever because that means that there's no growth, there's no um, experiences for you to be able to learn from, like what you were mentioning. Um, so yes. Um, and then I think like to add on to what has helped me um, is like mentors. Mentors that have either gone through similar experiences or um, have had friends go through similar experiences have been so helpful. Um, one of my cousins, um, she went through like law school and she also had um, feelings of like anxiety and panic attacks. And one of the things that she's really been helpful with in terms of my um, journey, like taking the MCAT and doing post-bac programs, um, it's like, she's like, just be kind to yourself. Like, you know, like you're doing the best you can and that's all you can expect. That's all anyone can expect from you, right? Given your circumstances, that's all you can do. Um, and kind of like having that replay over and over. And I think Dr. Beal mentioned this too, um, where as long as you can say that you gave your all into it, then no one else can take that away from you, right? Because then you're like, I did the best that I could. I got my results. They may or may not be like good compared to others, but at least you're like, yes, those are my results. And if I need to, and if I want to, I can build upon that as a foundation. I think that requires a certain level of security because I know, I'm not going to name the school, but it might, this might actually be popular at multiple schools, but it's something called misery poker. Basically just like seeing who has the most miserable overloaded week out of like the, everyone playing. And that's kind of like, at least I have that. Like I may be miserable, but at least I won this game. And that's sometimes what I think higher education can feel like. But I, I kind of like what you guys brought up is like an alternative to that. Like actually... Maybe that doesn't need to be my only triumph. Like, maybe I didn't get the best score in the class. But 
out of my group of friends, I like really admire the different strengths and that we all have, and they're not all the same. And that's just that's life, I guess, the unequal distribution of of these things that we all kind of want. But it helps to kind of look at your team and just like appreciate that, and just having a more team mindset. Because like if someone has a strength, if they're on your side, that's a benefit to you. So like kind of knowing who your team is and also having that good support group, like you guys said. Um, I would say based on my personal experience something that's really helped me is to have a strong support system because the reality is you can have the best mindset in the world but competitiveness is still going to be around you just by the nature of the way things are currently um and so like one of the things that's really been helping me is affirmations i know that's not like the thing for everybody but like i write affirmations down i have them like in front of me when i'm studying um and I think that that's something that's helped me, helped me. Like I'm, if I start feeling nervous or anxious because I'm like, oh my goodness, I have to do just as well as everyone else on this. I already feel behind on this. Like I, you know, you just start to get into your head because again, you naturally start to compare yourself to people. I just like stop and just focus on, okay, this is why I'm great. This is what I have to contribute. I do have purpose. And like, Really, I guess, you know, figuring out what works for you. Like, again, like I said, affirmations works for me. But I think figuring out what works for you to boost yourself. You need something that can, like, quickly boost you in, like, within minutes. Um, Just because, again, at any given point in time, you might be exposed to some level of competitiveness. Um, You have to be able to reframe that so that you're able to get what you need to get done. You, you have to be your own cheerleader sometimes, too. So figuring out whatever that looks like for you, whether it be journaling, blogging, whatever it looks like, um, finding your thing, that thing that helps you to get through. Like I just sent this message to one of my best friends who's also studying for their MCAT, where I was just like, your scores, your resume, your application, whatever it is, is not a reflection of who you are. Is not a reflection of your worth, your intelligence, or your competency. And um, like Siobhan is mentioning, that's kind of like my affirmation, the way that I reframe and think about it all the time when I kind of get into this cycle of like imposter syndrome or competition. I'm like, whatever is happening, like my circumstances may or may not have been different from this person, but again, it does not reflect my intelligence, my worth, and my capabilities. But just like knowing your why, I think has been like the biggest thing that also helps me through when I'm like, feeling like, (laughs) what is going on? Can I even accomplish this? It's like, why am I doing all this? And like, for me in med school, it's the patients. And when I'm interacting with a patient, it's like, this is why I'm going through what I'm going through. This is why I'm up late at night. This is why I'm studying. This is why I'm trying to oppress some attending where that's not even really what I'm I should be focused on it's because of this patient I want to know that I'm getting the best education that I can so that I can best serve this patient um and I mean in undergrad for me it was you know I was reaching for medical school but whatever your goal is and whatever um thing that you're majoring in whether that be business engineering whether that be English whatever you major in like what is your why I mean the good thing about college I found is that you have time to explore that so you might not know that freshman year, sophomore year, you might not even know that senior year, but you have this space and time to explore that. And I, that's one of the things I love about college. It's a safe space to do that. But like, once you figure out your why, like use that as your motivator, like 
at the end of the day, yes, everyone around you could be doing more things or less things or whatever, but like make sure you're focused on why you're doing what you're doing. I'm like gonna like borrow that and may or may not write that in my journal because like I really needed that. <laughs> oh. I think we, we need these things. Like I saw, I think um I made one connection. I remember Siobhan, you were talking about adult learners. Like you're adult learners. So what does that mean? You don't need any support at all. Like we're all human. Like <laughs> just like I, we nurture kids, and I think often kids are happy. Like Jason, when you were younger, is because they get affirmed or they get to. Well, they don't have as much pressure to do maybe outside things, and they don't have to get in their head as much. They can just like be, and they don't have to like compare themselves as much. And also, they just get. I guess it's understand. It's understood that babies need to be held, or they won't grow properly. Or if your kids in elementary school and they dropped their ice cream cone on the ground, like, like comfort them and make them know it wasn't their fault or get them another one or something like that. And um, there are different needs. I think when you get older, I think they definitely change, but there still are same things we have to pay attention to. And a lot of them we can do ourselves. That made me think of like, didn't Tiffany Haddish have like a, like Black Unicorn or something like a stand-up show? Um, and I think- Yeah, I, the audio book, I think. The Last Black Unicorn. Yeah, like, I think she does a stand-up show, and, like, in that, she mentioned how she made, like, a post on social media, and, like, everyone thought she was, like, super depressed, and she was anxious, because I think they, like, she recorded herself, like, crying. I mean, she kind of made that analogy, where she was, like, sometimes people just need to cry. Like, you know, like, when you see a baby crying, like, you don't automatically think the baby's depressed or has anxiety. Like, the baby's just crying, because it's going through a rough time, and it needs some love. Like what you're saying, Danny, like it needs someone to like come it's over. It's like a call for love. Yeah, like give some validation. And I think that's so important in higher education. Like we're adults, but we're still humans. We still have feelings, we still have emotions, and we still have things we go to. And sometimes like in higher education, I'm not, look, I'm not proposing advisors go up and like hug students randomly because that's a whole other issue. Um, but I'm just saying like in terms of that empathy and compassion, um like yes for adults yes like we have like our responsibilities but there's also like but we're still people we still need compassion we still need someone to occasionally hold our hands to help us through some things as opposed to like kicking us and, like telling us to swim in deep water yeah and i think we can handle it but we don't fare as well emotionally when we're like kind of told to like go and jump in the deep water or something like that and um, so then the, the mental part starts to suffer, but then maybe the performance doesn't. So then we're like, oh, this is fine. It's like that meme where like everything's on fire and we're just like, this is fine. Um, yeah, it's just not as sustainable. And my other thing too is I think no matter what level you're at in your training or your learning, like there's always, there's always benefit from having a mentor or having someone with more experience and so it, it, it again comes back to like you're a student you're an adult learner but yes yet but like there's you know so in medicine they have like the, the hierarchy so like you have the medical student then you have the intern who's the first year resident and you have like the more senior residents and then you have the attendings like each one of those individuals are helping each other out and so it's like more of a point of why you shouldn't feel like even if you're an adult learner that you shouldn't have any support we all there's always something that we need to learn to get to the next point and to get to the next level so it just like bothers me that so many people feel like 
oh, well, you're an adult learner, figure it out. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Like, we're all lifelong learners, no matter if you're in school or not. You could have been in a field for 50 years and you still have things to learn from someone else. So I think just the importance of support, again, just to reiterate that, I think, I don't know where I was going with that. I lost my train of thought, but <laughs> um, just, again, the importance of even if no matter what level you're at in your training, that you can always benefit from having someone supporting you, I guess. Yeah. It takes a village. Collectivism. I think, yeah, I think that, I think we're out of time. But I also wanted to just say, like, I think some, we both already mentioned this, but just knowing why you're there and, like, why it's important to you. So that way you don't have to turn to, like, external sources to, for, like, validation as much. Which is funny because we, we mentioned needing that every once in a while, but we also mentioned it's so important to know why you're there because you're not always going to get that. So it's like a balance. That's it. I guess, yeah, I guess you get it from everywhere. And then just being able to cultivate in that in yourself is like bonus points because like that's going to help you a lot. And it sounds like you all have developed practices or reminders for yourself of like, um, yeah, your purpose and like how it's not like intricately connected or solely connected with um, your performance or your vocation. It's like, yeah, just part of your life. It's not your whole life. It's not the end of the world. Rosebud and thorn, a rose is something beautiful, a thorn is a pain and a bud is something you're looking forward to. Well, I'll go first. So let's see. A rose from today was it was just a really beautiful sunny day and I went for a run with my brother. This is like the third time I've said this. <laughs> okay. Um, but actually another rose was my friend and I started a writing collaboration project. It's like a blog. It's like very unorthodox and like, I don't even know how to describe it. But Jay, you've seen the description before and I think it's going to continue to evolve. So just something I'm doing for fun. And then a bud will be, oh no, I'll do the thorn. Um, the thorn was, okay, honestly, I've been having this like weird allergic reaction on my hands and I'm not going to show you guys because it's very scary. And I have been in touch with my doctor and I, I did get a prescription for it. So hopefully the bud will be, hopefully that'll get better. <laughs> and by the time we go to Vermont this weekend, because it's got, it's on and off. So I don't even, it, I think it's like atopic uh, dermatitis, contact dermatitis or something like that. And I've had allergies ever since I was a kid. So it's nothing new, but it's a new flare up. So, okay. Yeah, I don't mind going next. Um, a thorn was, I am still... So my parents and I are still dealing with like unemployment and navigating that system. Um, and yeah, which is really annoying. Um, a bud is, I don't know, like I had a conversation with my cousin and she was asking me something like science-y and I was like, oh my gosh, I know how to explain that. And I was like, I don't know, like bring back to like what Siobhan mentioned. She was like, the why, being able to explain stuff. So. Um, I think it was like something about like fatty liver disease or something like that. Um, and then a rose is, I recently discovered, my cat and I have discovered the system. I have his like cat tree next to me when I'm studying. And like when he, I put things on his like platform. And so when he like wants to sit next to me, he'll like meow and like paw at it. And that's his like t way of telling me like, move your stuff, I'm sitting next to you. Um, and I think it's like the sweetest thing ever. Um, but yeah, that was my rose. That's so beautiful. <laughs> I like how you ended with the rose. So then it's like, 
you know, bad news, good news first. Um, uh, so for me, I would say my rose. Um, so my friends from medical school, all of our birth, well, not all of our birthdays, but some, a few of us have had birthdays during this um, pandemic. And my friends got me a birthday present and I received it this week. So that was really sweet. It made me feel really special, um, especially because I've been studying for an exam this week and to get that, it just, it was perfect timing. Um, the but is that I will do well on this exam. I've been studying for weeks for it. <laughs> um, and I would say the thorn is just like the guilt that I've felt from not being able to be more active in terms of with everything going on. I'm, I would love to be involved in protests and doing more to address the issues that are going on right now. But I just know that like my side of it is that I have to get through these exams that I have to do so that I can get this degree and give back. So that's like how I've tried to reframe it, but that has been a thorn for me. Yeah, so thank you everyone for listening in on our podcast. I hope you all have a great day whenever you're listening to us, if you are. Um, And until we speak again, you all, bye. And that's all, folks. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. To continue the conversation, check out the Steve Fund website for blog posts and summaries of our podcast. While you're there, feel free to also explore different programs, initiatives, and events that the Steve Fund has coming up. If you would like to leave any future topics or themes for us to discuss, or even a comment, feel free to email us at yv@stevefund.org. Thanks, and until you tune in again, be safe and be well.